Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith in the Morning. Something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. Thank you for joining me today, however you're watching, whether it's on Faith Plus, Faith Plus On Demand, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. You're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm so glad that you start your day with us, starting your day with faith and encouragement. It's Friday once again, as we've been doing all summer long. We're interviewing men and women full of faith, full of the Spirit of God, who are going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. And our guest today is not a first time on the Faith in the Morning podcast or a stranger to Faith Christian Center. He's spoken for us on different occasions. He's been on the Faith Plus Network. He has a program on there. He shared on the Faith Plus uh, Faith in the Morning podcast before. He's a good friend. We've known each other now for, wow, about 17 years or so. Uh, we've actually <laughs> preached together. We've traveled with Bishop overseas to Brazil. That was almost a decade ago in of itself. He's one of my closest friends. And so help me welcome, if you're watching online and you can put it in the chat somewhere, help me welcome back to Faith in the Morning, Reverend Chris Palmer. Garrett, good to be with you, man. 17 years. I'm feeling old at the moment now. I'm feeling old. Getting old. So grays are coming in my beard and my hair. And it's just, but 17 years of great friendship and um, lots of trouble we've gotten ourselves into, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And so for those of you who are familiar with uh, Reverend Palmer, I'll let him tell you the actual degree titles, but he's not only full of the Holy Ghost. He's also a scholar and he has advanced degrees in Greek. He was actually a special guest speaker for our uh, Faith Christian School Chapel before and met with the <laughs> students because the students were learning Greek. And so he talked about that. And so I'm going to let him tell a little bit more about his studies in Greek and all the things um, that with that before we get into his brand new book. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, so just a BA in um, Pastoral Studies and Modern Bible as my undergrad. And then um, my my master's work was a MTS or MTH, you could say, either way. Um, in New Testament, um, I got it from Moody Theological Seminary. I, um, I studied exegetical Greek, so that was every class I took is probably how to treat the Greek. And then uh, after graduating, I took a position there teaching Greek, of all things, and uh, different theological classes um, for graduate students. Uh, I got into my PhD program at the University of Wales, uh, where I'm looking at the book revelation and, and examining um the topic of theodicy and suffering from a pentecostal perspective and so i've been at that for five uh i've been at that for four four years now and going into my fifth year and um hopefully next year around this time i'll be wrapping up and drawing my conclusions um, on what i think so awesome and then let's see also what else can we talk about it um about your just greek studies you're also a professor can you tell them where you teach at and everything yeah yeah, so I teach at Moody Theological Seminary, and I also am dean of students at Theos Seminary, which is, um, you can see it, www.theosu.ca. We distill theology for a lot of people with about 6,400 subscribers here, 135 seminary students uh, from all over. And um, we just it's just a very creative way of, of doing theology and finding a way of putting theology in a place that's accessible and diluted uh, for people and distilled, excuse me. And uh, it's been it's been great. It's been a really cool experience working with people from all over and, and seeing people coming out of charismatic churches, Calvin, Calvinist churches, reformed churches, I should say, who are excited about theology. And um, yeah, so we're, we're rolling with it. It's very eclectic. Some of our teachers are Calvinists. Some of our teachers are full-blooded Pentecostals. Um, and we all get along and it's, it's really neat. We focus on the essentials and uh, we let the non-essentials just be so. 
Awesome. Also, in addition to the number of books you've written, you also <laughs> help other leaders in the body of Christ with their books. Can you talk about that real quick? Yeah. So I just started to find that everybody had something to write, but there, but people wanted help writing. So I, you know, have helped a lot of different speakers and people and preachers um, kind of collect their thoughts, get their things together. I mean, for me, it was no easy ride learning how to write. Um, I wrote some bad things, uh, bad books, bad manuscripts that were turned down or rejected. Um, I still have manuscripts on my computer that I won't ever see the light of day. Um, but those are formative. And I think, you know, not everybody has to go through that process if they have somebody who can help them and kind of show them what they've learned over the years. Uh, so I've just been working with other speakers. I don't necessarily think ghostwriting, but kind of tutoring and guiding their process and writing and how they think. And people's thoughts are usually all over the place. And um, when they start putting them to the paper, they begin to realize that and they become panicked and discouraged. And so um, sometimes I'm able to step in there and help them kind of get it together and figure out how they want to kind of follow a narrow line and, and, and lay out what they want to do and then execute it. So it's been good. Awesome. So as you guys can already tell, for those of you who are watching and listening and new, he is a brilliant individual. Full of the Holy <laughs> he really is. Those two, those two things can go together, believe it or not. And that is something that we've actually talked about for years yeah. that you yeah. don't have to, you know, there was this old phrase I remember learning in school. You, when it comes to Christianity, you don't have to check your brain at the door. And being an intellectual or intellectual, as I should call it, does not mean you don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost or you rule out no. the, the Holy Ghost. Both can work together. And so that's actually, true. that's a great topic for another podcast. But I want to talk about your brand new book. Can you tell us about it? So this book kind of came to me as an idea. Um, the idea of suffering is something that is very dear to me. Um, now, it's a little bit anomalous because or ironic, I should say, because um, I think in compared to a lot of people in this life, I've suffered very little. Uh, my sufferings have been little compared to what a lot of people have suffered. But I find it intriguing. I found the topic intriguing. When I was in uh, Cambodia a couple of years ago, when I was first starting my thesis, I was in the killing fields of Pol Pot. 110,000 people died in that field. 1979, Pol Pot's regime just obliterated Cambodia and they killed. It was, it was like a Holocaust type thing. And um, at the end of that tour, I stood in front of a 200-foot tower full of human skulls that were retrieved from the field. Um, I was confronted by the problem of evil. And I felt at that point that my preparation and my theological studies and what I grew up hearing in church was um, just not uh, kind of doing it for me uh, as I kind of wrestled with that problem. And so at that moment, I said, hey, you know what, I'm going to work through this. It wasn't like I was having a crisis of faith. It wasn't that at all. But I felt that I needed to go deeper and explore things, questions and, and questions I didn't even know that I had. Um, and so I always believe that diligence is a way to, a way to work things out. And um, patience is another way. I think people that deconstruct, they're, they're impatient with their faith. So I, I joined and got involved in my PhD um, courses and uh, my thesis. With I want the rest of but I want to interrupt you so we can emphasize something <laughs> that is a tweetable moment. So the thing What's is, that? add questions about what you believed. But you were mm -hmm. diligent and dived into the word of God and answered the question. And then you made a statement concerning deconstructionism. <laughs> Those who deconstruct are impatient. Yeah, yeah they're, they're impatient with their faith. They're, they're just very eager to uh, just because they find something that rubs them the wrong way or they've gotten hurt or they've gotten sad about something or they've seen some misbehavior that they just are ready to throw the whole thing out. 
um, and, and they don't do the due diligence to really, they, they find sound bites. And we don't want to get into deconstruction, but I, I will say they're, they're, to me, they're very impatient to really search out a matter. Um, you know, so I've been working on suffering for four years, theodicy. We can talk about what that is. Um, you know, I, it took me about three years to work with theodicy to realize that I'm not very satisfied with the, the whole philosophical concept of theodicy. And uh, so I'm looking at, at skeptical uh, theism at the moment, and it seems like a better a better match for what I'm trying to do here. But anyway, at the same time, um, so so I've been working through it, and I found that the experience has been very worshipful. Um, but in my thesis, it's very scholarly. It's, it's written to, by a scholar to scholars and probably not going to get read by very many people. So along the way, I like to kind of make things, uh, create things like books, like things from scripture that are devotional, they're accessible, and they kind of offer some of my, some of my thoughts along the way for people to, to place into their own life and to reflect on in prayer. Um, yeah, and it's a very simple book, and it, it, it wrestles with the problem of evil. And so the idea is a wink. Um, a wink from Scripture is when the, the Scripture, uh, the text itself, the way that it's written, um, reveals an irony. And I don't think people usually, when they're just they kind of do a plain reading, as it's usually said, see these ironies. And I can say that confidently because a lot of these ironies I'm pointing out, in the circles I've been in um, for my whole life, I've not seen these types of things um, highlighted and offered from Scripture. And I think it's just that because because we've treat we've we've often treated Scripture like it's so simple sometimes, and it is simple, but it, but Scripture is a very highly complex um, fabric, if you will. And there's a lot of yes, it's inspired by the Spirit. I don't want the audience to get nervous when I say this, but there is a literary style of every writer. God used human writers. He worked through human writers through the inspiration of the spirit. And they had styles and they used literary devices and parts of speech to, to emphasize things in a way that is to a lot of us, not obvious. Um, and you have to look closely and you have to track carefully um, what's going on and, and it requires paying attention to the genre. So um, what I do is I track for the reader and then I kind of come up with these funny, these kind of punchline type things that take place in scripture. And, and when the scripture winks, it usually offers some sort of hope, hope for people that find themselves in places of suffering where they can keep on hoping despite the suffering they're going through. It doesn't fully answer the question. I don't think we're ever going to answer the question of suffering. Um, there's philosophical ways of, of getting there, but the book doesn't try to do that. It just tries to give you hope as best as, as it can and, um, and, and keep you hoping along the way. So. so notice what he said, hope. So this is not a time to lose hope or to despair, one of the things that encourage you in this book, Wings, is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what suffering you're facing, there is still hope. And some of these Wings, you know, we've talked about, I don't know if there's been just books you've written about it or just conversations we have via text or by phone call, which, you know, after we talk about it for an hour, I was like, man, this could have been a great Instagram Live. This was something we should have recorded. But I know some of the things you share with me. And then I know what you talk about the Book of Acts, which I believe referring with the Odyssey and all the things that are in there and just study now what are the literary styles of these different books. I still remember, I'm not sure if this is in Winks or this is in the future book, what you said about Book of Acts, like an action movie type of thing and how that mm -hmm. does a whole nother way to consider that, which is just amazing. And then when we yeah. talk about the literary style and the genre of the Book of mm -hmm. Revelation and all these different yeah. things that, like you said, it's simple, but it's also showcases the genius of the Holy Ghost. And that is a lot of things we miss and we forget the Holy Spirit is brilliant. 
And there's so much in the scripture if we actually dive into it and pull it out. Yeah, there truly is. Um, so for one wink, uh, there's, there's a couple maybe I could share. One of them is quite simple. It's not as complex. It's kind of basic. John is writing in, in first in John chapter one, and he in the beginning was the word, and he says the word was God, and that's how it starts off. That's what he wants you to know, and that's what he wants the audience to realize. And so the whole point of it, when you're following the story of Jesus throughout the book of John, need the the, the objective is to come to the, the conclusion by the end of the book that Jesus is God. That's the goal, that he is God, and that not only is he God, he's the creator. And he, so it's, it's more specific. He is the creator. And then when you track Jesus through scripture, uh, in John, you begin to see that he's recreating something that he's already created. Now he's recreating a broken and sinful humanity. It's another chapter of the book. But but what I what I mentioned is, is that some of the I, I kind of outlined different forms of suffering. And one of the suffering that we experience is doubt. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times in our circles, we've, we've treated doubt like we've mistreated doubt. And what I say is that doubt is is what kind of slows you down a little bit in your faith. And I think that's very important. I think that doubt is not the goal in and of itself, but it's something that God uses. I say this in the book that the road to faith is paved by doubt. Um, as we move into faith, we have to wrestle with our doubts. And I don't think that it's faith to just try to dismiss them and cast them out, but to work through them. And so I liken it to a time when I was in, in, in Paris, France. I was walking around. And I woke up in the morning, I had one day by myself, woke up in the morning, I was going to spend the night. And then the next morning I was out. I wanted to see everything. Okay. So I plotted my course. I was going to start uh, at the uh, Eiffel Tower and walk the Seine River and go all the way up to Notre Dame and then Notre Dame all the way back to the Eiffel Tower and, and see the Louvre and see, and just see all of these things, see different bridges, Pont Alexandria three, whatever. I walked around that day for probably 14 hours. It was a summer day. And by the end of the day, and I'm trying to get to all the places that I want to see. But around the end of the day, I just couldn't anymore. My feet were aching so bad that I had to stop and, and deal with the ache in my feet. So I remember stopping and taking off my shoes on one of the steps. Okay. And just, and just my feet were just aching so bad. But when I stopped, and dealt with the ache, I saw the most impressionable thing I'd ever seen that day. And it was people that were dancing. I mean, not just a few people, but maybe dozens of people slow dancing near the steps uh, across the way from where the Eiffel Tower was to this music that was obviously French. And for, in that moment, I got the true, the true experience of being in France. And so it was the aches in my feet that slowed me down, that enabled me to really see something I would have missed along the way, having been in a hurry. And I feel that's like what doubt is. Doubt sometimes slows you down and makes you re-examine and take a second look. And if, if you trust God and you want to work with that, he helps you to see. So back to scripture, we get to, I think John hones in on this. And we get to this guy in scripture, his name is Thomas. We, all, we often call him Thomas the Doubter. But you know, he's not there when the disciples first see Jesus. And he makes this claim and says, I'll never believe unless I can put my hand into his side and, and see that he, you know, who he is. Even though he makes that claim, we see him 
with the disciples again the next Sunday. And he's there. And we're not told why he's there. He's just there. So do we take him seriously? I think we take him seriously. But I also think we look at him like he's, he's just working through his doubts. He's working through them. He's saying things, but he's working through them. And then when he sees Jesus, he says, my Lord and my God. And this is right at the end of John. And so we have a guy who's been wrestling with his doubts, but he makes the exact conclusion that John wants his readers to make at the very beginning of the book. And that is Jesus is God. So the end connects with the beginning. And you see that one of the protagonists in the book of John makes the conclusion that Jesus is God and completes the story. And so what John is saying in that is that he wants those who are wrestling with their doubts to make the same conclusion. And I think the scripture winks at us at that point. It's kind of surprises us by the fact that doubt is okay. Doubt is not a problem. Doubt is, if, if you, I think during times, if you look at all the great heroes of faith, they all worked through doubts. Job had his doubts. I mean, all of them had doubts. But they weren't dismissive of them. They were willing to work through them. And it, it reminds me of when I stood before the um, Cambodian tower and looked at the skulls and said, hey, I'm, I'm wrestling with these, but I'm willing to work through it. You know, because I've done that, uh, the Lord has really driven my faith a lot deeper. It's become more um, authentic, I believe, and uh, more precious to me. So, yeah. And so, like, everyone noticed that what the response is to doubt. <laughs> It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to rebuke the doubt. One of the things I like to say this way, God is not afraid of your questions. You can take your questions to God. And then you, yeah. in prayer, you take them to God, but you also search the scriptures. You know, yeah. it, sometimes it's because of the ways we brought up, you're not supposed to question authority, but it's about how you question authority. Yeah. And God yeah. wants to know. He wants, you know, as James 1, that if you lack wisdom, ask. And so yeah. take your questions to God. Yeah. He's not afraid of them. And notice this example, Chris has said that you take your questions, you take your doubts to God and you study it out. And I've known him, as I said, almost two decades now, and he actually studies it out. And he's also a person of prayer, serious prayer, <laughs> serious time praying in the spirit, serious time. <laughs> and, you know, I joke with him now. I said, you know, you've gone through all your Greek studies. I don't have to go. So what does this word mean? Let's look in. Let's get some details on this. You know, that was your suffering for the rest of us. So let's I suffer for everybody. Yeah. On behalf of everyone. You know, and I think it's important to see like Thomas doesn't get all his questions answered. Yeah. And that's really, that's really important to observe because many times I feel the impression is, is that if we don't get all of our questions answered, that God has somehow let us down or God has somehow failed us. And maybe we treat God that way. But what Thomas does get is, is a place, he gets to a place where he can say, you know, you are God. Um, you know, he doesn't, he's not told why Jesus had to die. He's not, he doesn't give a theological lesson at the time. He just gets enough to know that Jesus is God. And I think that's how the case sometimes. God gives us what we need. Many times he doesn't give us more. I mean, one of the, the great questions is, how could God allow the Holocaust? How could God allow the genocides taking place in South Sudan? And, you know, I don't think there's an answer that I've heard them satisfied with at all. Um, but that doesn't, but I can bear witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he's the Savior, and that he's good. So I have to believe there's something about God that I don't understand right now. And there's something about life that I don't understand. And there's something about sin and humanity that I don't understand. And I like to say it this way, I don't think that broken humanity 
is in a very good place to make any real moral evaluation of God at this time. So I live in the mystery. And that's what I say in the book is that we are in, in the face of suffering. We're living in the mystery. And in the mystery, we find the faith that we need to continue to hope and believe in God. Yeah, I don't know if we were talking about this on a phone call, Instagram Live, or a text or something. We are on the subject about mystery. And we're talking about yeah. some people have a really hard time with mystery that their faith doesn't work if they don't know all the details. And I don't know if I said the phrase or you said the phrase, but we kind of said, embrace the mystery. There's yeah. so many mysteries in life. Embrace the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, life is very, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, li life is very enigmatic. I mean, it, um, just, you look back on your memories and, and, and you don't want to fall into too much nostalgia, but you know, somebody asked me today, how do you know if God has answered my, has answered my prayers? Assuming we're not just talking about an immediate, obvious answer to prayer. Um, I, I think you can't tell in the, in the moment you have to have perspective. You have to be able to have time to look back, to really recognize what God is doing. And in, in time, it seems to me that as time goes by, more is revealed. I think the same is true of this life. As we move closer into what we call eternity, things will become clearer as we, we move closer to the day that we see him face to face. But the, the goal is not to stay stuck in the, in the meandering, in this, but is to, um, is to be hopeful and know that there is a creator. And he's at work recreating and he's putting things back together. Man. So good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the wink, so the winks offer hope. And, um, you know, I deal with winks when it comes to, uh, or deal with suffering when it comes to the suffering of the marginalized, the suffering of those dealing with inner turmoil, which is a type of suffering, suffering of the innocent. Um, I deal with the suffering of perhaps consequences from poor decision-making. So different forms of suffering I deal with. I mean, I just show how God has a way of, letting you know that, you know, I, I really am not a huge fan of the word God is in control. I, even though I use that phrase, I use it probably more than I maybe like to admit that I use it, but I have to really assess what do I mean when I say that when, when in a context of suffering, what do I mean when I say God is in, in control? It's not that I think that God hovers above us and he, he, he through his sovereignty, maybe manipulates things. But I think that when I say God is in control, what I mean is that Christ has entered our suffering. He's joined us in our suffering and he suffered with us. And, um, and from that suffering, he gives us a place where we can hope in him. So that's what I think. And so I offer in the book just how God has joined us in our suffering and um, suffered with us. And much of our suffering, especially innocent suffering, bears witness to what he's done. And bears witness to how through his own suffering, he is bringing about the restoration of all things and our suffering if we suffer innocently, okay? Particularly as martyrs, because I deal with the Christian suffering in that regard, bears witness to what God is doing. And it's a hefty price to pay. Um, and it seems to us to be weird in uh, the West because we hang on to life and we count it so precious. Um, but but the way the biblical writers looked at life is, you know, their life was fleeting. Um yeah, and it's, it's a very hard thing for, it's a very hard thing for Westerners, especially when we have such a high regard for life, which we should, but, it, but we also need to realize it's fleeting. And um, when we suffer with him, we are bearing witness to what he's done and what's to come. So I talk about that as well. And I think that's important to realize because even though that doesn't really affect us on our shores, 
there's a millions of brothers and sisters all over the world who face that reality even now. Yeah, it's so true. So before we go, I want yeah. you to tell us how we can order your book. Um, yeah. Like we're pre-recording, but by the time people are watching it, it's almost out, about to be released. So if you tell yeah. me about how to order your book, then I want you to pray for us before we go. Yeah, they go to shoptheword.com and they can find me, uh, Chris Palmer, Wings from Scriptures, or they go to Amazon, uh, Chris Palmer, Wings from Scriptures, and you can you, you may get a better deal on Shop the Word, actually, but, uh, but either or you can find it, Wings from Scriptures. But let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your presence, your indwelling presence that's upon us in this time that we've had together. Father, I pray for those that are listening today who may be suffering, may be hurting, and may be in need of hope, may be in need of a wink. I pray that you administer them today, God. Fill them, Father, with confidence in you, despite having their gnawing pains that come to doubt and questions. Fill them, sustain them, and uplift them and encourage them. We thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Everyone, thank you so much for joining us for Faith in the Morning. Make sure you go get Wings from Scripture by Chris Palmer. Chris, bro, thank you again for joining today. And remember, everyone, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on Faith in the Morning. Subscribe to our YouTube channels, Faith Christian Center and Carrick Butler. And we'll see you next time on Faith in the Morning. God bless. Thank you, too.